Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijhay Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا رب العالمين أما بعد So for the past uh, few Wednesdays we've been discussing cognitive distortions essentially mistakes that people make in the way that they think about things so they develop certain ways of thinking certain frameworks that are flawed um, and they look at the world through those frameworks and as a result they end up really struggling with with life and so we've been discussing some of the different uh, cognitive distortions that people can end up uh, developing this week inshallah we want to speak a little bit about one that's called overgeneralization and one of the common reasons why this develops is when we in life go through a negative experience, um, we can end up being cautious thereafter such that we hold ourselves back from so much, um, so much potential enjoyment of life. And so let's talk a little bit about some examples. An example would be betrayal when someone betrays you in life, right? Either they betray your trust, you thought you were close friends, and then, and so you relied on them, and you confided in them, and then they betrayed you. They turned against you, or they no longer maintain that connection with you. You can feel extremely hurt. If you lose a friend, sometimes, right? Sometimes people no longer are friends with someone. Uh, there's like this friend breakup. And people go through a lot of pain in those situations. If someone's in a marriage and, and they find something out about their partner, because of which then they have to break the marriage. Or they choose to break the marriage. Then, again, you could experience a great deal of pain and you can feel betrayed what's really interesting about our society is that we don't really acknowledge such pain as like a serious form of grief so like someone who has a family member pass away everyone kind of understands that that individual might need a few days off of work that individual is going to be grieving they're going to really struggle to kind of you know, get back into the flow of life. That's kind of understood. <clears throat> but when someone loses a human being from their life, not because they passed away, but because the relationship is over, people go through very similar symptoms and experiences of grief. Because it's the same loss of someone. And in many ways, right, the emotions you experience can be even more difficult. In, in what way could they be more difficult? Because you're actually seeing the person. See, when someone passed away, it's like 
what they leave behind, maybe their clothes, maybe the restaurants you guys ate at, or something can remind you of them, but you don't see them, right? Because they're gone. But in, in a relationship that falls apart, you still might run into the person. And, and, and the grief can be revived, right? Or they might post online, and you see something, and your grief is revived. Does that make sense? And so what's very interesting is that it seems like a large part of your life is also missing. Because here's the thing, when we construct our lives, we construct it in our heads with other people a part of that life. Right, so when I think of my life, I think of, okay, there's me, there's my family, there's my extended family, I have a set of friends, right? And they're all, they all make up part of what I see as my life. When, when someone's missing from the, from, the, from the picture, it's like a piece of life is missing. And they may still be alive. And like I said, our society doesn't often acknowledge that as a real reason to grieve. But get over it. Okay, it's over. Like, okay, big deal, move on. And it's not that easy. We're, we're compassionate when it comes to people who've passed away. We're not so compassionate with people when they've lost someone, they've lost a relationship with someone. All right, and so it's important that we do learn to grieve these relationships because people will display very similar symptoms. And if you don't learn to grieve it, you can get stuck in it. And you can develop certain mechanisms that then hold you back from being able to move on and move forward with your life. Now, think about this. It hurts so much, not only because you've lost the person, but what happens when that person was your source of support in the past through difficult times? Because now you've lost the person, and now you have the pain, so you need support, and the very person who was the support is gone themselves. And so not only did you lose the person, you lost your source of support through the difficulties that you would experience. And now what do you do then? And so it can feel like, I don't know how I'm going to recover from this. I don't know how I'm going to move on. I don't know if I can move on. I don't know if I want to move on. That's another thing. I don't know if I want to move on. But what can happen to some people is that they develop, because of the betrayal, they can thereafter really struggle to trust people. Because if this person can betray you, what's to stop the next person from betraying you? Right? You thought this person would never betray you. You were convinced. That's why you confided in them. That's why you shared like deep secrets with them. And they betrayed you. What's, well, how could you trust anybody else? And if this person is fake, or was fake, Number one, for how long? Were they fake from the beginning? Did it develop later on? Did something happen because of which then they turned against you? Or were they like that from the beginning? And you can begin to not even trust your own judgment anymore. Because you're like, I thought my judgment was accurate, that this person was this way. Turns out they're not like that. How do I go about? I might think the next person is very trustworthy, but I thought this person was too, so... And then you can begin to do what? You can begin to keep to yourself. You can avoid establishing and developing deep relationships. And why do you think we do that? Why do people do that? 
after having lost one person, being betrayed by them, why might they no longer establish another connection? That's a very common reason. Yeah? Uh, defense mechanism to not be hurt again. Absolutely. Defense mechanism to not be hurt again. If I don't put myself out there, I can never be let down again. If I lower my expectations of life, I can never be disappointed again. And it's very interesting because when we do that, we don't actually avoid pain. We're avoiding the next you know, friendship and relationship because we want to avoid the potential pain that can come from it. But in the process, we open ourselves up to the pain of loneliness, of disconnection, of going through life just floating on the surface through all of the relationships that we experience. So it's just a matter of opting for one of the two pains. That's really what it became. And we didn't think about that though. We, just, we don't think about that. Now, where does this come from? Sometimes it's not even like one major event that leads to your inability or struggle to trust people. Sometimes you can't even remember the last time you developed that, like, or when you developed that. You just, you just maybe really struggle to trust people. And one, one way to think about that is, it's like from a psychodynamic perspective, is that as we're growing up, we develop a certain perspective on how much we can trust others. What really informs that? Anyone know? It's classic, the classic theory here. What informs how, how uh, capable you are or how willing you are to establish strong relationships with the people around you? Yeah. The uh, attachment theory. Attachment theory, right? So here we're talking about the very first people that took care of you growing up, what attitude of trust did you develop towards them? Do you feel you could trust them? That they would be there for you through difficult times? And if you felt that way, if they were there for you, and if they were supporting you, then you, you might have began to feel, and you might have started looking at the world as a safe place. That, hey, I could trust people. And in case they didn't, it's very easy to develop what idea? The world's not a safe place. Because the very people who are meant to take care of me, they don't take care of me. Like They're not there to support me. And they're supposed to take care of me. What about these other people who are not even responsible for taking care of me? Why would they support me? And how can I trust them? Do you get it? And so we can develop this idea that the world is not a place where you can, you can trust people. And... This is an overgeneralization though, right? This is exactly what it is. Even in the case when someone betrays you, ultimately we come up with a, a rational kind of rule, which is what? If this person can betray me, anybody can betray me. So you know what's best? Just don't trust anybody. Just don't trust anybody. And that becomes the rule that we live by. We will no longer trust anyone. We'll no longer open up to anyone. And it's a defense mechanism. Here's where it becomes dangerous. Is when we begin to extend that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a really good article that I would recommend you guys read if you get a chance. It's, it's on the Yaqeen Institute uh, website. It's called Cosmic Cop or Loving Lord. 
and it's the it's about the impact of parenting on our perspectives on God. Because if you can't trust anybody, you might extend your inability to trust to God. And we might develop misunderstandings, such as what? I can't trust human beings. Why? Because they can let me down. Then I make dua to Allah. Ya Allah, if I need some help here, I need some help there. Allah doesn't seem to answer my dua. I guess I can't trust Him either. Do you understand? And the people begin to really struggle. And here's the interesting thing. So they'll go to a shaykh, they'll say, Shaykh, like, I, I don't feel very spiritual, I don't feel very religious, my iman's weak. What does the shaykh say? Shaykh will be like, make dua, go to the masjid, like all these types of things. But meanwhile, in their heart, what, what are they feeling? They're feeling like they can't even trust God. And what do they think it is? They think it's a religious problem. They think I'm just a bad Muslim, which is so fascinating. Because it does not originate as a religious problem. What does it originate from? A psychological inability to trust. Maybe because of, like I said, maybe because of some relationship. Maybe because of how they were brought up. And so people develop these schemas, these ways of thinking about life. For example, if I can't trust my spouse, who can I trust? Uh, I can trust Allah. I make dua to him, nothing seems to change. I guess can't trust him either. I guess I should only depend on myself. And then here's another thing. Then we begin to look for confirmation. We become extremely sensitive to when someone lets us down. Because it confirms what we always believed, which was that I can't trust anybody. Someone lets me down a little bit, yes, see, exactly, can't trust nobody. And it's really hard. It's really hard. And so it's important to realize that we often model our relationship with Allah after our relationship with attachment figures. Now, here's, here's what becomes very interesting, because the more distressed you are in life, because think about it, right? If you don't trust anyone, what can you share? What can you share with anybody? What do you guys think? If you don't trust anybody, what can you share? The answer is nothing. You can't share anything with anybody. Which means... See, how many of y'all have this habit of when something's either going wrong in your life or even just some interesting news, the tea, that you want to get on the phone and talk right away or you want to share it with someone? Y'all know what I'm talking about? What happens when you don't have anybody? Then what do you have to do? You have to carry it all yourself. You have to carry it all yourself. How heavy does that become? How lonely do you feel then too? Because you're stuck with your ideas. You're stuck with all this information, with all this, all these burdens, and you have to carry it all alone. So we want relief from that, of course. But then what? So, so what's the relief here? What could be a potential relief if someone Let's say somebody just listened to whatever you told them. What could you tell them? Well, maybe you should try to establish a relationship where you can trust someone. It's not as simple as that, but like imagine they could do that, right? Now what's holding them back? 
they have put on an armor that they imagine is protecting them. What is that armor? I will trust nobody. I will only depend on myself. And what are, you, what are you asking them to do? You're asking them to remove that armor. You know how hard that is? It's like, this is protecting me. And you want me to take this off? Oh, you're basically asking me to get my heart broken again. It's like, no, that's not what it is. Because, subhanAllah, that's just the rule of life. And this is, this is the challenge, is accepting this. That, what is the cost of love? The cost of love is that you hand over power to the other person to absolutely break your heart. And there's no two ways about it. No, I want love with no danger. It's not probably going to be love then. Right? It's probably not going to be love. And this is our challenge. And it's important to heal from this. Why? Because you can really struggle even getting married because of this. The time for marriage comes and I just can't trust. You'll go through all the steps, subhanAllah. All the steps, everything required. You know, all the, like, the discussions and the, you know, let's get the major discussions out of the way. Let's get families involved. Let's get all the way to the end. And then, cold feet. And you back out. Why? Shaykh, but what if? So it's, it's an inability to trust. It's an inability, and we'll talk a little bit about what this, what's going on psychologically. It's very important to heal. Because you cannot live your life without these deep relationships. You cannot. And you can connect with people. Like, you could come to Wijha even, and you could talk to the people around you. But if you don't have the ability to connect at a deep level, to share parts of yourself, you can really struggle to feel like you belong, and you can struggle to feel like you're a part of that community. Do you understand? Because you might feel like you're just kind of surfing on the, you know, on the waves of the community. You, you haven't really gone in. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Because I'm sure we all have relationships in our lives where that's what we do. And it's probably a good thing. Like when you go to work, right? When you're at work, you're not trying to go too deep on the relationships, hopefully. Right? That's why nobody shows up like two, three minutes or even five minutes before the Zoom call or the office or the team's call, right? Because you got that random coworker who's gonna trauma dump on you five minutes before. <laughs> so you show up on the dot so that you're there for the meeting, right? You're not trying to go deep with everybody there. You're there to get your work done, go home. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a good way to go. Just surf the wave of the relationships. Just, you know, that's what you're there for. But you can't do that in everything in life. You can't go that way. SubhanAllah, you'll find people get married so they'll actually get over the cold feet and they'll get married and they still won't be able to open up. You know what I'm talking about? They still won't be able to open up. Why? You're married to this person. I still don't know. Like I know rationally I should trust them, but I can't bring myself to trust them. And it's, it's very painful. Because... A part of you desperately wants to be loved, 
and the, another part of you does not want to show anything of yourself, <coughs> anything of yourself that can be loved. Do you understand? So, we develop what are called avoidance coping. Um, we start to avoid any situation that could lead to what? Deep trust. Anytime we start to feel a relationship going a bit deep, we pull out. Yeah, I, you know? So it's, it's really interesting what the human being can do to protect themselves. Again, to protect themselves. A misunderstanding, though. You'll see people, they'll get into a relationship, a friendship, and they'll be like, you know, the friendship's getting deeper, getting stronger, stronger, and they'll start getting worried. Oh, no. Because now we're getting really close. If I lose this person, oh, it's going to be terrible. And I can't risk losing them. So I'm just not going to get close. So they'll start letting them down. Then the other person gets frustrated. And then it, there's a distance created. And then they're comfortable. But then they're also pain, pained. Why? Because, but I want the close relationship. You see that? And people can be torn. Like they want the close relationship. But then the moment they start getting close into the relationship, no, I, I can't do this. Human beings like a walking paradox at times, right? We develop, um, and so why do we avoid then those opportunities to develop deep relationships? Well, it's because there's a discomfort, there's an uncertainty that we cannot tolerate. And so a big part of being able to move forward in the face of uncertainty and where you need to trust and where you can be hurt is to learn to tolerate your own uncomfortable feelings. To overcome the fear you might experience and recognize that, hey, this fear is irrational. It's trying to protect me. Like, I'm, I'm scared because I think this is, backing out is gonna protect me, but it's not. And the pain we experience, honestly, in these situations is actually an invitation it's an invitation to go and explore. Why am I so scared? Look, anytime you get into these types of situations, there's gonna be uncertainty. Did anyone ever get married to someone with a guarantee that that person was actually exactly who they said they were? No, nobody ever did. So how do people get married? It's not in the absence of uncertainty, everyone marries knowing that certain things are uncertain, they're just able to tolerate that. Do you understand? And some of us haven't learned to tolerate that. And as a result, when the moment comes, we back out. We get scared. Another approach, another mechanism of dealing with it is what's called false refuges. Such as like work. You throw yourself into your work. Why? Because you don't, you don't want to have to deal with any deep relationship. Let me just work. Let me not have to deal with my pain, my grief about the betrayal. We throw ourselves into our studies, for example. And that's an interesting thing. People think like, hey, something bad, we throw ourselves into our workouts, you know? Dude's heartbroken, now he's in the gym. Right? That's not healing. That's not healing. No. That's not healing. Healing is not just by the passing of time. No, this is very important. You could go, you know, I remember talking to somebody, they were telling me how, 
you know, they were in a lot of pain. SubhanAllah. They said like six months passed. And then they said randomly one day. So I just broke down. And this was someone who prided themselves on being like really strong as a person. And he said, man, like I was just bawling my eyes out. And, and I'm telling myself, like, what's wrong with you? You're over this. You're past this. It's been six months. And they were like, I, I, I felt like I didn't control myself. Like I couldn't control myself. Like the tears were just coming. I was like, oh, that's very interesting. Because they, they believe that time just heals. It's not the case. Right? Sometimes there's an active, an active effort needed to heal. It's like someone just saying, like, I'm not going to do the physio. You know, on this part of my body that got hurt. I'm not going to do physio. I'm just going to wait it out. What do you set yourself up for if it's pretty bad? Re-injuring yourself, right? You didn't heal. You kind of healed a little bit, but it's still very weak. And so the moment you enter again into playing, you're susceptible to getting injured again. Because time won't heal it. You like, sometimes you need an active effort, like a surgery, or you actually need physio, concentrated physio sessions to heal. The same is to be said about our, 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 our well-being when it comes to our emotions and you know, healing from that pain that we experience. And so we, we end up trying to hide from everything in order to prevent the risk of getting hurt by anything. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, well, what can we do about that? Here's one thing. Okay, let, let me start with you guys. Because, you know, and there's actually a lot of research behind this. How many of y'all, let's just be honest, guys. How many of y'all have turned to a friend for support in some capacity when it comes to mental health, when it comes to psychological distress? How many of y'all have turned to a friend? We all have. We all have, whether it's fear, whether it's uncertainty, whether it's worry, whether it's stress, we all turn to friends. Number one, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, by the way. There's this idea of what's called paraprofessionals. Anyone ever heard of paraprofessionals? These are people who are not professionals, but in some capacity, they will play the role that a professional usually plays. And there is some efficacy to it. Like, how many of you can say, hey, I've actually spoken to a friend, and it really helped? How many of y'all will say that? Like, you spoke to a friend, and it really helped. And that's not a lie. That's not like, no, if it wasn't a therapist, it wasn't real, or something. No, no, it was real. Like, you actually benefited from a friend. It's absolutely possible. Do you know what one of the main benefits you get from a friend is? Is you know they care. Genuine care. This is the power of genuine care. Because you could go to a therapist, and if you're not convinced that they care for you, you likely will not benefit from the sessions. You know that? That's why one of the first things therapists have to do is establish what's called the therapeutic alliance. They have to establish this strong connection with their client, that the client feels like, yeah, this therapist genuinely cares about me. Like they're not just doing it for the credit card tap at the end. You get what I'm saying? Because imagine that's what you felt. Imagine you genuinely just felt the person sitting in front of me is literally in it for the money. They don't care about me really. 
how are you going to actually like open up to them? How are you going to take them seriously when they're like, oh, right, oh, that must be so painful. You're like, whatever. It's all a script. It's all an act to make money. Whereas with your friend, what? You know they're sincere. There's no money involved. You know that they get you too. You know they understand you because they've seen you go through it. You know they're on your side. And the power of that in healing is incredible. You understand that? Now I'm sharing this because what? I'm trying to emphasize that guys, all of us will play some role in the healing of the people around us. And you might say, I'm not a therapist. And yeah, you're not a therapist. But even your genuine care and your being there for them and your being on their side has immense healing power. I'm serious. And that's like the idea of paraprofessionals is sometimes people will say, I actually find more benefit from talking to my friends than going to see a professional. Because a professional is just kind of sitting there going through this kind of model that they memorized and practiced in their practicum. So they're just kind of going through the system with me. Like I'm just like, a, you know, I'm just a case. They develop case conceptualization. They come up with a case. And then they put me through this whole step of CBT and testing all these things. And I know what they're doing. They're not actually sitting there trying to listen and understand me and connect with me and show me that they care. Do you understand? The same thing comes with actual uh, physical healing, by the way, too. Y'all ever heard of like bedside skills? You know what I'm talking about? Where like the way someone comes, like a doctor or a nurse, the way they come and treat you, the tenderness and the care they could show, how that impacts your spirit and then motivates you to then you know, hang in there and hopefully try to, you know, be patient with your health improvement. Because they can make you feel like you're worth it. Like you're worth healing and improving for. Do you get what I'm saying? And I'm highlighting this because human connection is so powerful, guys. Don't underestimate. And that's why the work here that we do is so dear to me. Because I really believe that it's in these settings of community and establishing that sense of community that a lot of healing takes place. I don't say that as a cliche. Like, I genuinely believe that. So, one of the first things to note in these situations of betrayal, for example, is you have to recognize that you're not ever going to go back to normal. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a physical wound where you got hurt. You ever heard of people getting stronger? You ever heard of that? Where like you get injured, then you do physio and you work on it to the point that you're actually stronger than prior to the injury? Like it's possible. In these situations, when you lose somebody and they're out of your life now and you have to move on, moving on is not like, let me go back to normal. Let me go back to life prior to that person coming in my life. You can't they will forever be a part of your life. Even if it's just in memories. So actually what you're trying to do is not, because so, some people think that's my goal. My goal is to go back to normal prior to this person. That's an, that's an impossible goal. You can't do it. So what you're actually trying to do is, you're trying to adapt to life without them. And I know this is not a term you guys want to hear because you're traumatized from this term, but it's getting used to a new normal. Y'all know what I'm talking about with the new normal idea? Y'all forgot about that? COVID? Okay, anyways. Um, yeah. Now, here's, here's one of the challenges. 
When you say like, okay, I'm going to move on. I recognize they were part of my life, they're gone, now I'm moving on. What, does that mean you, you didn't love them? That means your relationship meant nothing? You're just able to move on? No. Of course not. That's not what it means. You could really believe that, man, we had a good connection. Um, we were really close. But you know what? That's life. And sometimes in life, that happens and you have to move on. Does that make sense? Um, this is important understanding. To recognize and accept that there's nothing abnormal about something bad happening in life. That's something that we have to accept. This is normal when things don't work out. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? It's actually very normal for things to not work out. That's the part of the way the world is. Uh, it doesn't change the fact that it's painful. But it can prevent you from saying, why me? <laughs> why not you? That's, that's what life is. Allah told us that this world, you're going to experience moments of pain. The greatest of people experience pain. And we could spend a whole lot of time talking about people like the Prophet Yusuf, alayhi salam. How much betrayal? His story is like the perfect story to explore from the lens of betrayal and the ability to overcome and forgive. That's really one of the main lessons we could take from the story of the Prophet Joseph. And may Allah give us tawfiq to study that at some point. Right? Um, okay, I'll, I just want to mention two things here before we wrap up. And if you wanted to address the overgeneralizations that we make. So, this idea that I can't trust nobody. How do you address that? Well, you start, it always starts with becoming aware of your own generalizations, overgeneralizations, right? That's why self-transformation commences with a period of self-questioning every single time. If you never question anything about yourself, then you will never change anything about yourself. It's only when you recognize, okay, I have this, and it could actually be different. Like, I could actually function in a different way. Well, that's an option. Only when you have that realization might you take a few steps towards making that change. That's why the idea that I, I, I'm good how I am is very dangerous. Ibn Atayillah selves, Ibn Atayillah, he says that the root of all sin and the root of all the flaws that humans possess is self-complacency. I'm good how I am. Yeah, okay. And then you're never going to improve. And you're never e even going to think about ways to improve. It starts with self-questioning. It starts with presence. And not fleeing from reality. Remember earlier we talked about like refuges? Where people run away from their problems. Thinking that if I just avoid it long enough, what will happen? It'll go away. And it never does. It always surfaces in some other way. So you're stuck in this weird position, right? You want to get rid of the pain, but you don't want to face it because there's pain involved in facing it. So you don't face it. But then you live in this constant anxiety of the day when you have to face it. Like, you understand? Like, you can never get over it. And so, and the other reason why it's so hard to transform the overgeneralization or address it is because it becomes very normal. You start to very naturally see the world the way it is. 
Like that, that to you is just normal. Until someone points it out, you know, if you tell somebody, like to you it's so obvious, of course I can't trust anybody. And then someone points out, hey, actually, yeah, you can. I've actually met people who are so convinced of this idea. And it's very interesting, because it's not just relationships. I've seen people in business get jaded. You ever seen that? Someone in business gets burnt by their business partner. I've seen parents like this. They have kids. They went into business, they got burnt bad. And understandably what? They feel so betrayed. What was their coping mechanism? What did they do? Cut off from everybody. They refuse to deal with anybody now because I'm not, you can't trust nobody in life. I've seen parents tell their kids, what's wrong with you? You go and make friends with everybody? No, the world's a dark place. You can't trust anybody. What are you doing? And they actually get upset at their child for going out and making friends. And they think they're doing good for their child because they're like, I'm protecting you. Trust me, I've been betrayed and I don't want you to ever go through that. So the solution is what? Just don't, what? Don't make friends with anybody. Don't trust anybody. Have you ever seen, has anyone ever seen someone like that? Who's so jaded that they tell their own kids, don't make friends with anybody. Usually what ends up happening is that parent is miserable. Because they're lonely. They don't have any friends. They don't go out with anybody. They don't have deep relationships. What's usually their refuge? Politics. Yeah, yeah. So they sit and they talk about politics in other countries because you don't have to, you could sit there and talk about the politics of a different country and never have to do anything about it, right? So you could just sit there and be like, Astaghfirullah, they're so corrupt and that. Okay. And that's your coping mechanism and that's how you avoid doing anything. That's how you stay connected to reality, I guess. Yeah. And the child sees that the parent is absolutely miserable. And they wonder, like, why would you want me to not make friends? Right? For the parent, it's just so obvious. Like, it's so normal to not trust anybody. And the child's like, no, I have not gone through that pain, so actually I'm willing to trust people. It's not being naive. So that's where... We can learn from our past mistakes. Example where we were let down and betrayed. Maybe we made some mistakes. Maybe we were not as diligent or as careful in how we trusted people. Like there's a way to trust people, right? You have to learn. We have to learn how to trust people as well. So once you become aware that, hey, I, I'm really overgeneralizing all the time. I realize I don't trust anybody. I realize that I don't ever let anybody into my life. Then what do you do? Then you have to understand that the coping mechanisms you've developed, they're not serving you well. Initially, what they did maybe did serve you a little bit well, why? Because you had to come up with a plan. I've been betrayed. What can I do to never be betrayed again? So they came up with a plan. I'm not gonna trust anybody. So you felt good about it. You're like, oh, I, think, I feel protected. I have this armor around me. I feel protected. 10 years pass. Now you wanna get married. And why? but I need to trust people to get married. No, I can't do that. No, but I want to get married. And then you're just stuck, you're stuck. And so you start to learn. At that moment, you have to learn and recognize my coping mechanism is not serving me well. It's not, it's not helping me. It's holding me back. See, when we overgeneralize, we think we're protecting ourselves from getting hurt again. 
but we actually just end up creating situations where we end up getting hurt. So for example, you may avoid getting close to others out of fear that they hurt you. But in the process of avoiding connection with them, what happens? Your relationships with people deteriorate. And that causes you pain. And then you're left with more pain because you want to be in relationships, but then you choose to not be in them. Then you're miserable about not being in them. And then you don't know what to do. And so then, the individual really has to... My, I hope you recognize that these cognitive distortion sessions that we've been having on Wednesdays, what's the end result? Go for therapy. <laughs> That's what it is, guys. I'm serious. Y'all are laughing, but I'm serious. And it's not because there's something wrong with you. Right? It's not because something's wrong with you. It's not like it's some major... It's a natural response that many of us develop to the, to the problems we face. We don't know how to deal with them, so we just naturally come up with our own mechanisms of dealing with it. And sometimes those are not helpful. They hold us back. And we are our own greatest obstacle. And so the first step is to become aware. Do you overgeneralize? I can't trust nobody. I cannot allow anybody in my life Nobody loves me. I'm not love worthy. I'm not valuable. I don't possess worth. Because maybe someone didn't value you. Now you believe nobody values you. And now you believe that you don't even have any value. So these are all like overgeneralizations. Once you realize you have that, and at the second level, you start to notice your coping mechanisms and how they're not serving you well, then you need help in trying to undo them and unlearn them. That's literally what therapists are for. So that you can actually develop the courage and the clarity to move forward with so many of the things that you want from your life. Do you understand? That relationship that you want, those friendships that you want, that trust that you want to have, that sense of belonging amongst people that you want. That's what therapy helps with. So may Allah Ta'ala grant us tawfiq to be people that identify and recognize when we are overgeneralizing and that when we that helps us may Allah grant us tawfiq to recognize the mechanisms that we may have developed in trying to protect ourselves um, and give us tawfiq to take the steps to address them ameen ya rabbal alameen wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala sayyidina muhammad wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen jazakumullah khair guys ولكل وجهة هو موليها فاستبقوا الخيرات أينما تكونوا يأتي بكم الله جميعا إن الله على كل شيء قدير